everyone in podcast listening land. I'm Karen Devaney. And I'm Ann Barner. And, and we're, we're sisters. Welcome to Sugarcoated Murder, where we'll discuss and probably inappropriately laugh about and comment on yep, one of our favorite subjects, murder. murder. Oh, and we love to bake. And why not combine our two favorite subjects? Baking and killers. Hello, Ann Barner. Hiya. Hiya. Yeah. Hiya Watha. Hiya Watha. How's it going? Hiya Watha cooking. What's a cooking? <laughs> I am going to cook another savory dish. Oh, good. I'm because so happy. It's summertime and I love a summer squash. Oh, gosh, I do too. Sugar. And I have an old recipe trout. Trout. Mm-hmm. We can't start this way, buddy. No. No. We, we have to not do that. We can't do that. Um, I give him a couple of treats. Yeah, throw them somewhere where he has to go look for them. A long ways away in the next zip code. Here we go. All right. Oh. So, I love a summer squash, and forever ago, I got myself a squash souffle recipe. I love a squash souffle. And I haven't made it in forever. No, you haven't. So, we went out to the local market and got us some squash last weekend. We and did. We really did. Um, I have cut it up. So, now this recipe, the first step is to steam your squash. Yes. Which used to be my least favorite part. Not anymore. Because it takes forever to steam your squash just in a pan. And you stand there and you stir it. And yeah. You really just want to steam. You don't want to like singe it or no. anything and like really that. And you really don't want to boil it. You don't want to boil it. Because it no. boils the taste out of it. Right. So I used my Instapot <gasps> because my sister ordered Genius. some Pampered Chef steamer baskets for the Instapot. Wonderful. From our niece. Yes, Taylor. Taylor. Shout out to Tay Tay. She had a, a Pampered Chef party, and you know we love a Pampered Chef. And we love to support our folks. We do. We really so do. So that was a double blessing. Speaking of double blessings, she got doubly blessed she with twins, oh and they're God. so adorable. They they're two the little girls. Babies. I could just they are just little up. jelly beans. I'm just, oh, I want them. If it wasn't so, a darn pandemic, we'd be able to go hold them. I know. And we'd each get a baby. Damn pandemic. I'm, I'm over it already. All right. So anyway, shout out to Taylor. Thanks right. for the Pampered Chef party so yes. we can spend money. Yes. So it's so easy. You just, I sliced up half the squash, put it in the basket. First off, I put a cup of water in the Instapot and then sliced half my squash. Then I chopped up my onion and I put the onion on top and then I put the rest of my squash on top of that. Beautiful. Closed up my Instapot and I steamed it for two minutes. I checked it. It wasn't quite done all the way because it was a full steamer basket so I steamed it for another two minutes and then let it sit a little bit, which was perfect. Once I took the top off, it sat on my counter for a while and dried out because you want to try and get all that water out and kind of mash it. Yeah. Um, so now I've got that all set. I'm going to mix in some flour, some eggs, some milk, some cheese, and um, a little bit of salt and pepper. I'm going to mix it all together, throw it in a casserole dish, stick and it in the oven. throw your dog in the oven. Throw my dog in the oven. Yeah, he'll be all right in a minute. Okay. So I'm going to mix all of this stuff together. It's going to be delicious. That's wonderful. I'm going to throw it in the oven, and you'll have to excuse my voice. I woke up this morning, sneezed two times, and lost half my voice. So we just have to muddle, muddle through. Muddle through. Like That's we fine. Do. We can because we are 
We're troopers. We're troopers. The show must go on. It Shana. must. The it must go on. Must I'll go on. Actually, and when I'm done mixing this up and getting it in the oven, I'm probably gonna have a glass of wine. Oh, there you go. That might help. Or it up. might completely clear, like just get rid of the whole voice, and then I'll just do a solo today. Yeah, you just tell <laughs> I wrote my murder out. You oh, tell just, it. Okay, I'll tell it. Go <laughs> tell it on the mountain. All right. So what have you got? What are you doing over there? I'm doing a murder. And this murder takes place in Allentown, Pennsylvania. All right. We're going to go back in time to August 5th, 1992, around 1230 a.m. The police are called to the home of Joan Burkhart. Okay. She lives on East Gordon Street on the east side of um, Allentown, Pennsylvania. I keep wanting to say Allentown. It's not. It's just It's one Allen. Just one Allen. And it's not even a possessive Allen. It's, it's his, just an Allen town. It's, it's his town. It's his town, but it's not possessive. He's not possessive about no, it. No, he's not. He's very nice about right. it. Right. So Joan lived in a one-bedroom, first-floor apartment. She had left around 11 o'clock that evening to run a friend home, and when she returned, she was immediately alarmed. Oh. Joan noticed that a fan that she had left on before leaving was off. Oh, my God. Yeah. That would freak me out. <laughs> well, I think it freaked her out. She called a popo. Oh, Lord. Her patio door that she had left open was now closed. <coughs> oh, And gosh. the screen door that was locked when she left was now unlocked, and the screen had been cut right next to the locking mechanism. Have mercy. She also reported there was money missing from her dresser drawer, about 40 or 50 bucks. Well, she's brave to have even gone in the house. I wouldn't have gone in the house. I agree. Well, I wouldn't have stayed. I wouldn't know. It wouldn't have taken me long to hightail it right the hell out of there. <laughs> new, 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 new. So the first sign of trouble, it would have been gone. Yeah. I would have been out. Anyway, nothing else seemed to have been disturbed, but somebody had certainly been there when she was away. So the police came and they took a report and they left. Oh, Lord. I hope she went and stayed with her mama. Doesn't Our sister. She did. About Our friend. four days later, on Sunday, August 9th, around 11.30 in the morning, Joan's neighbor called the police to complain that Joan's stereo had been blasting for three days oh, and three nights. Oh, no. They couldn't get her to answer the door, and the screen had been out of one of the windows for three days. It took him three days to call? Seems like it. People, if you see a screen missing in my window, you call right now. Immediately. Don't wait. Please don't wait. <coughs> so they also said that during... This is the... This gets me. They also said that during one of the three recent nights... And it sounded like someone was beating Joan up. As oh, my God. And they... Because they could hear someone or something hitting walls and screaming. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. And they didn't call. Come on, what guys. call. Hear something, see something, say something. Oh, I got Don't a sneeze wait. building. I got a sneeze uh, building. No. Well, kazoon tight on top of that. So when the police arrive, arrive, they find that there's a front window screen that was on laying on the ground, leaning against the building. And under that window, the window, or it was leaning against the building under the window. Okay. That window was open. The screen on a rear window had been pushed out and was laying on the ground. Oh, gosh. And that window was also open. There was a screen door that had been cut, which we already reported, but they didn't know that it was in a previous report. Right. And the TV sound was blaring loudly, and the oh. patio and front doors were locked. Oh, no. Inside the apartment, Joan lay on her stomach on the floor of the living room by the couch. 
There was a large amount of blood on the floor, couch, and walls. And she had been brutally beaten about her head, but nothing else in the apartment seemed to be disturbed. Joan was wearing a sleep shirt and a pair of jockey shorts, like men's, what do we call them, boxers? Yeah. They had been ripped at the crotch and pulled up. Oh, God. She was nude from the hips down. And upon further investigation in the bedroom, there was a dresser drawer that was open and a pair of black shorts were on the floor in front of the dresser. And the shorts had some blood stains and white spots on them. Oh, God. There was a peach-colored shirt found hanging on the closet door. And it had a large, bloody swipe mark. Oh, my word. Where maybe a weapon had been wiped off on it. So, who was Joan? Well, we're going to talk about who Joan was. Joan was a 29-year-old nurse's aide. Sorry. Okay. 29-year-old nurse's aide. I'm with you. Yes. And she was the daughter of Stanley and Gladys. Stanley and Gladys. She was the youngest of three children, and she was an aspiring nurse a music lover, and a former high school honor student. Aww. Joan had been battling depression for a while, and over the past seven years, she had threatened suicide several times. As far as her parents knew, she had never attempted it. But when they could not reach her for two days over the weekend, they feared the worst. I'm sure. Oh, gosh. So when they learned that she had also not shown up for her nursing shift the day before, they got in their car and rushed over to her apartment. They had agreed on the way over there that if they got there and Joan's car was there, then she probably had gone through with it. Oh, so they're thinking she's committed suicide. Oh, gosh. When they pull up, they see police cars and neighbors all over the place outside of her apartment, and they immediately immediately knew it was something much worse than they feared. Right. So the investigation continued as, jo as Joan's family prepared to lay her to rest. She was remembered as someone with no enemies that wanted to become a nurse and hoped to marry someday. When the autopsy report came out, it revealed that Joan had been sexually assaulted and had been bludgeoned to death by 37 individual blunt force injuries to her scalp. Too many crickets. Causing extensive skull fractures and brain damage. Whoa. The weapon was most likely cylindrical about a half to three-quarter inches in diameter with right. a smooth surface. And the force of the blows were so deliberate and violent that her hair was actually embedded into the skull fractures. Oh, my gosh. Joan also had defensive injuries on both hands. All of the blood at the scene, including the drops on the black shorts and the swipe on the peach, peach shirt, shirt. Short. <laughs> belonged to Joan. However, the black shorts had those white dots on them. Right. They turned out to be semen. Of course. Of course. So DNA was extracted, but it's 1992. Right. We don't do that in 92. <laughs> so um, the analysis of the blood spatter on the walls indicated the attacker was about 5'10 and had stood over his victim while beating her with his weapon. Mm. Isn't that incredible that they can figure out the height of the suspect based on blood spatter. I've yeah. always found that fascinating. I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I really am. They can find out so many things. They, I mean, because it's different blood spatter when you take it up than right. when you take it down. Right. I mean, it's crazy. So, um, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm fascinated. And then you put my husband in there who studies it and teaches it. It, right. it really can be very I understand those pe the people that do the analysis for blood spatter. 
blood spatter make mm -hmm. a lot of money. I would imagine that they do yeah. because they're very knowledgeable. Yeah. So very knowledgeable. So, okay. Now we're going to go to June 9th, 1993, which is about 10 months after Jones' attack. Okay. Um, Allentown police receive a report of a missing person on East Gordon Street, which is where Joan lived. Oh, no. A neighbor grew concerned when she noticed that the little newspaper delivery girl's cart full of newspapers sat in a yard between two houses, and it sat unattended for about 30 minutes. She was usually very punctual, so 15-year-old Charlotte Schmoyer, when she, she had not finished delivering the papers. Oh, no. Some neighbors had gotten theirs, and some had not, and... Past where the cart was parked and facing, nobody had gotten any more any of their papers. And there was also um, a random newspaper rolled up in somebody's yard, which is not where she left the papers. Right. And this was very uncharacteristic of Charlotte because she was very conscientious. She was working very hard for the paper. She was just shy of her one-year anniversary, and she was going to get um, a very special T-shirt that indicated nice. that she was... Yeah. The, like the morning delivery person. Nice. So, yes, she she was very conscientious and very proud of her job. So police come to investigate, and they find Charlotte's half-filled newspaper cart and the lone copy of the other newspaper in the yard. They find a Walkman that had been separated from its headphones. Oh, a Walkman. Yeah. Those were the days. Yeah, the headphones had been detached, and they were those two items were found between the houses, but not together. Right. And there were bloody finger streaks on the glass pane of a neighbor's Oh my door. gosh. Why? Why do you pick these? I don't know. Why? I don't know why these talk to me. Oh my gosh. There were obvious signs of a struggle. You're going to have to do, the next one you do has got to be a survivor what? story. Okay, I'll do a survivor story. Yeah, because I can't. These, these are, are these are like the worst. <laughs> so... The search is on for sweet 15-year-old Charlotte. Later that day, a search team comes across a bloody trail that leads them to Allentown's East Side Reservoir and to the body of Charlotte buried beneath some logs. Oh, gosh. There were signs of sexual assault. Damn it. And the autopsy found that she had been stabbed and slashed in her throat and on her back more than 22 times. Whoa. There was indication that she struggled with her attacker. The weapon used was a single-edged, smooth knife about four inches long, and a few of Charlotte's wounds were so deep it was obvious the stabs went right through to the hilt or the beginning of the handle. Wow. So it was very violent. Semen was extracted, and a DNA profile was gained. There was also hair found on Charlotte's knee that was not hers, and it was a pubic hair. Oh, God, I understand. For God's sakes, Karen! <laughs> Did you know that this is a murder podcast? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Charlotte was an avid swimmer and a band member at her high school. And the newspaper, her boss at the newspaper said that she made very few errors in the first year of being the early morning newspaper Come girl. On. He couldn't say she was excellent or super he said that she made very few errors where most people may would make several errors she had only made two in the whole year he should have said he she didn't said make she's any perfect. she was perfect i agree come on man <laughs> so on um, june 28th 19 days after charlotte was killed denise sam Callie 
is her name. It's hyphenated, but we're just going to call her Denise because that confuses me, Sam Cowley. Right, right. She was at her home on East Highland Street on the east side of Allentown that she shared with her husband, and he was out of town. Oh, no. She awoke to a noise coming from inside her walk-in closet. Oh, my God. She got up and ran. Oh, yeah. As she exited her house, she was grabbed from behind. No! Thrown onto the front walk, flipped onto her back. Oh, her attacker got on top of her and used his knees to hold her down. Oh, my gosh. And as Denise fought with her attacker, he pushed her. He pushed down on her mouth to, oh, to so suffocate her. Scream. He choked her and he punched her oh. at least four times in the face. And in the struggle, she was able to bite his inner arm. Good for her. Go, Denise. He then raped her. Oh, gosh. And then ran back into her house and escaped out the back patio door. Are you kidding? No. Denise, of course, called the police. And she had been beaten on her head and face. And she had strangulation marks on her neck. But she had survived. Right. A large butcher knife wrapped in a paper napkin from her kitchen was lying on the floor outside of her bathroom oh door. Oh, my gosh. After the incident. It makes you want to get rid of all your butcher knives, right? It, yeah, it does. It makes you want to put them in a safe, like a gun safe. Yeah. <laughs> like you lock them at night. You can't have this unless, <laughs> unless you, you know the combination. Right. Denise and her husband. So after the incident, Denise and her husband left the residence for a few days to get away from the trauma. For a few days? I would have left town. I think it's more than a few days. So meanwhile, on July 14th, so this happened on June 28th. Your dog needs serious attention. I know. I'm going to give it to him. I'm just, I didn't have breadcrumbs, so I'm trying to crumble up some bread that I toasted. <laughs> okay. Because this goes on top of my casserole. And it is important. But I didn't want to be holding my dog while I was doing it. I appreciate it, so. that, too. No problem. So uh, Denise's attack took place on June 28th. So now we're at July 14th. All right. Around... Seven o'clock in the morning, Jessica Jean Fortney was found dead in her bed by members of her family that lived with her. My God. Is anybody thinking serial killer, serial Not rapist? Not yet. Whew. So the hunt was located on North Bryan Street, which also happens to be in East Side Allentown. Oh my gosh. Jessica Jean was 47 years old and was the mother of four. When she was found in her bed, her face was swollen and black. She had dried blood all over her face. There was blood spatter on the wall directly behind the sofa and on a lampshade next to the sofa. There were signs of sexual assault. Wow. There was a first floor window that was open and the screen was missing. Of course. So the autopsy re revealed that Jessica Jean had died from manual strangulation and blunt force trauma to her head and face. There were more than 50 strikes directed at her head and face, and it appeared that she had been beaten with a closed fist. Wow. Yep. The autopsy also confirmed that she had been raped. Wow. So, that was on July 14th? Yes. Five, five, four days later, Denise and her husband are at home. Remember wait, Denise? wait. Oh, no. Remember Denise? No. Okay. So, she and her husband are at home. And they are awoken around 4 a.m. in their home by a noise in the house. Suddenly, the back door opened and set off the newly installed alarm. Right. The intruder fled. Oh, God. 
After that, they moved. Allentown police provided <laughs> an armed officer to stay in the home at all times. Oh my gosh. They knew the intruder would be back. Oh no. I'd be out. I'd be out. Goodbye. So in the meantime, a five-year-old girl was attacked and raped are in you her bed. Karen DeBaney, why so are you doing why? Because I, I didn't know about this. You should have stopped. I, I can't just stop. You have to. No. Oh, she was just, raped in her bed. Don't give us all the details of that. Her, I'm not. Her attacker attempted to strangle her. He fled before he killed her. Ugh. She survived his attack. Thank God. Upon investigation, it was discovered the five-year-old had been stalked for several days before she was attacked in her what? home. Yep. I mean, this is back in the 90s, sugar. Don't care. People, I know. Well, I mean, back in the 90s, I was a scared chicken shit. So I locked behind every door, and I checked every closet every single day and of my life. Back and, in the 90s, I was living in a house where the door didn't lock. Yes. And I would check behind the... Um, if I When I would come into our apartment, I would look behind the... Shower curtain, I would look at and all the closets under the beds. Like, I, and I we lived in the tiniest little apartment, yeah. but I was not taking any chances. And we lived on the second floor, and I didn't care, yeah, because I thought, listen, if Spider Man can walk up a building, so can an evil man, exactly right. So, on July 31st, an armed Allentown police officer is at the home of Denise when he becomes alerted around 1 25 a.m. as he heard the doors being jarred. Oh. He then noticed a gloved hand removing the downstairs window screen. No. This man has patience. Listen to this. He then saw a head and then a torso slither through the window. Slither. And he made no sound. The officer waited for the entire person to enter the home through oh, the window. Oh, my gosh. And then he pounced. The intruder ran to the kitchen and exchanged gunfire <gasps> with the officer. Oh, no. And here, Denise and her husband are asleep in their bed. Oh, my word. The officer took cover in a bedroom, and the intruder escaped out the kitchen door. Oh. That should make a movie. This is a, an incredible story. Oh, my gosh. Around 3.30 in the morning, that same officer was called to a local hospital. Okay. He was called to a hospital. There he came face to face with the intruder who had cut himself on the glass of the kitchen door as he escaped. Oh, poor baby. The officer was able to recognize him and identified the man as the intruder of, at Denise's home. Right. And the intruder had a healing wound on the inside of his arm in the shape of a bite mark. Yes! Go, Denise. Got him. She's a badass. So police then were able to obtain hair and blood samples from the assailant as well as a warrant to search his home. The next day they go to his house. He's still in the hospital. They find a black ski mask and a pair of gloves under a couch cushion. Several drops of blood and a blood-soaked shirt in the laundry. Oh, God. Several drops and smears of blood in the bathroom. My word. Additional pairs of gloves including a black pair of rubber gloves. Okay. A blood and some blood-stained shorts and socks in the bedroom. Oh, gross. Yep. I mean, do some laundry, dude. Oh my gosh. A pair of running shorts, black pair of running shorts, sh not shorts, shoes. That's going to be important. Black pair of running shoes. Okay. And a loaded 380 semi-automatic handgun belonged to Nisa's husband that had been reported missing from their home. Wow. The officer at the scene identified the clothing and the gloves as being what the assailant was wearing when he broke into Denise's house as he watched. Right. 
Denise was able to positively ID him as her attacker. Oh my gosh, yay Denise! The black running shoes matched up to a patterned bruise that was on 15-year-old Charlotte's cheek. Oh my gosh! Where he had stomped her in the face. So they arrested Harvey Miguel Robinson, born 1974. When they arrested him, he was 18 years old. Are you serious? But he was 17 years old when he started on his spree with Joan in 1992. Wow. And when investigators researched Robinson, they were able to align his short times in jail with his breaks in the rapes and murders. Like he would get caught for like petty crimes and then have to go and spend a month in jail or whatever. And that would be the break. And then we'd come out and do it again. Oh, my gosh. They also noted that all of the areas that he lived in, when he would come in and out of jail. Yeah. And they were all within blocks of every one of his victims when they were attacked. He was one of the youngest serial killers ever yeah. arrested. Yeah, you don't hear about him no. that young. He was charged with a slew of firearms violations, burglaries, attempted rape, attempted murder, rape, murder. All I mean, they just like iced the cake and put the whipped cream on. Everything that was all relating to the attacks of Denise and the rapes and murders of Joan, Charlotte, and Jessica Jean. Mm. In relation to the attacks on Denise, Robinson was sentenced to 41 and a half to 81 years in prison. That's still not long enough. In regard to the rapes and murders of the other victims, the jury found aggravated circumstances and sentenced him to death three times. Yes! Plus additional years for the aggravation. I love that. One's death sentence was overturned. Of course. And it was converted to life with no parole because he was 17 when he killed Joan. Okay, whatever. Then he waived his right to appeal the death charge on Charlotte, and in exchange for that, he was given life, given life, no parole. What? They commuted his death sentence off of there. So, um, in 2019, the death penalty of Jessica Jean was still upheld so far. That's good news. The judge that upheld that asked Robinson in court if he would consider donating his brain to science. <laughs> and he said it's because of all of the advances from studying sports concussions that maybe that with all the brain studies that they're doing that they could figure out why he was why he, why was, he was so wired killer. to be a serial killer. Interesting. And um, Robinson said he would consider it, but he would have to check with his religion because he had converted to Muslim. <laughs> So he wasn't really sure, no. but he would consider it. Yeah. Okay. So I want to tell you that Robinson's father was an alcoholic who often abused Robinson's mother physically and emotionally, and eventually he left. But in 1963, the father had gone to prison for severely beating a York woman to death. Oh, wow. He was convicted of voluntary manslaughter and sentenced to 6 to 12 years. I'm not sure when he got out, but it was in time to breed and produce this spawn oh, of Satan. Yes, that became worse than him. So um, right now, he is, of course, he's never going to get out. Even if this other sentence was overturned, even if they decided to give him life with the possibility of parole, with all of his charges, he would still be in prison for over... A hundred years. So in 2019, when the last time he was in court, he was in a, he was 45. He was in a wheelchair already. You know, prison is not good good to the body. Not good for you. It's not real good for you. <laughs> not good for you. So I feel like 
he's where he needs to be. I think a death sentence would actually be too light for him because I think that he went in there very young, which means he was probably prime meat, which I really hope he was. Yeah, but now he's used to it. He's, well, he is. He but, knows how to, now he's the one. But remember, when you're on death row, you don't even have to be with the population. I want him to have to be with the population. I, I want, want him, him to, to have be, to suffer every day. I want him to be raped every night when he goes to and bed. And I want him to be like heat fed into his room so he's hot all the time. Yeah, I want it to be uncomfortable. Yeah. I do. I really do. And I want them to... And then on occasion, if somebody could just stomp him in his face and leave a shoe print, that Oh, I great. think while he's sleeping, that should just happen. It should just drop from the ceiling uh, randomly. So anyway, I never knew that Allentown, Pennsylvania had a serial killer. Yeah. Never knew that. But And not only that, but, you know, the youngest serial killer that at that point was on record. I don't know I if we've got a younger one than that or not. I guess I we'll know. have to do some research but yeah. that was pretty horrible that was terrible and it makes me lock my door every time i take my dog out yeah <laughs> yes but listen i was watching one of the id discovery shows um a few days ago last weekend i think it was and it was about a woman who had been out in her yard planting flowers and a guy drove by and he decided he was going to get her and she's just out there you know, playing roses. Having a good time cleaning with nature. Her husband comes home from work. Mm -hmm. He walks in the house. He loosens his ties, getting ready to go fix himself a drink. And a man comes out of the kitchen and shoots him <gasps> in the head and kills him. Oh, my God. But because it's inside the house and it's all closed up, the woman never heard it. It was outside. There was construction or traffic or something, and she never heard it. Mm. So her husband's laying on the floor, dead. The guy goes into the kitchen, grabs himself a beer, cooled down. You know, oh, my gosh. It takes a lot to, to kill a man in his own home. And then he waits until she finishes planting the roses in her garden. She comes in. She, you know, is walking into the house, and he grabs her, and he rapes her. And then he hog ties her and throws him in his car. Oh no! And he held her captive for ten days. No, he didn't. And, she, and raped her and made her take a bath in front of him. Ew! And she was a nurse. She was yeah. Um, I think in her forties at the time. And you know her kids were like, I don't know. Did mom kill dad and then leave? We, like, they I mean, did no she know her husband was dead at that point? She didn't. She did. The guy told her that he killed. He had her killed husband. her, but yeah. she she didn't know it for herself. Right. But because she had been tied up with this rope for so long, she got these really bad cuts in her wrist, and she kept telling him they're getting infected because mm -hmm. he would leave her. He would hog tie her on her belly, mm. and yeah. like so that yeah, and then he would leave her alone in a dark house, go wherever he would go, and then come back and have his way with her. And finally, she said, "Please don't leave me tied up. Put handcuffs on me because." The rope is irritating. I've got bad infections. And he listened to her, and he put handcuffs on her, and he tied her, but didn't tie her quite as tight as he normally would. But he didn't tighten the handcuffs really tight, and she was able to move her wrists. So he left, and she was able to move her wrists enough to untie that freaking hog tie. She gets out. She has no idea where she where is. Where she is. She's still handcuffed. She's just gotten the rope out so she can move. And she gets to the phone and manages to call 911, and she tells him who she is, and she's like, and I don't know where I am, and you have to hurry because he's going to come back and kill me. He's going to kill me. And the whole time she's on the phone screaming, he's going to kill me. 
and the police come in and she screams, he's going to kill me. And they finally calm her down and like, no, we're here to help you. When this man went to trial, the judge sentenced him to life. And for 10 days every year during the time that he held that woman captive, he goes into solitary confinement to think about what he did. See, that's the kind of judge that we yes. need a lot more of. Like, yes. Let the punishment fit the freaking crime. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's my thing. Is I that is God bless that judge. Yes. God bless that. I don't know who that judge is, but that judge for president already. I agree. I mean, that is the kind of people we need in our judicial system. I agree. Holy I agree. moly. Yeah. So for ten days, every oh. year he goes into solitary, and he knows why. That's right. He does, and he can sit there and think about it, little shithead. That's right. Oh, so. gross. But, and I think he should have to take public baths too in front of all the prisoners. Right. Because that just strips you of your dignity. Having watched that, I immediately was like, uh, I'm not leaving my door unlocked. I want to walk my dog anymore. Not at all. So mm -mm. No. I lock it up tight whenever I walk out. Even yeah. if it's just down to the second floor to see my sister. Yeah, I, I agree. You have to. I mean, I have two dogs and usually I only walk one at a time. But yeah. I don't trust Leroy Brown. No. And I don't want somebody to get him. I know. Like, what if somebody came in and hurt him? Oh, my gosh. I'd be so sad. I would be devastated. So, no. Mm -mm. No. All right. Well, I've got about... Ten more minutes left on the casserole. All right, so I think you and I should take a little break. Take food. a break. I'm going to pour myself a glass of wine. Please do. I'll tell you what needs to happen, and then I'll talk about a murder. I'm excited. Yay! All right, y'all, hang in there. And we're back. We're back, y'all. We're back. We're back. I'm having some wine. It's super good. Yes, and I'm having some water. It's super good. Mm -hmm. And you'll hear the timer go off in a few minutes, and I'm going to go put breadcrumbs on the casserole because, as usual, she makes me finish everything she starts. Oh, my gosh. Y'all know that's not true. <laughs> um, so, anyway, I didn't have breadcrumbs. I had to toast some hamburger bun. It's fine. And um, I threw some little, um, it's a pampered chef, rosemary seasoning oh, yes. into mm -hmm. melted butter. Nice. Put my breadcrumbs in there and mixed it up. So hopefully it'll give it a little extra. You don't Gosh. really have to have it. It's, it's not like it's like key in the casserole. But it's not, but it adds a little crunch yeah, to it. Crunch. I do like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, like I mean, you could put a Ritz cracker on it if a you want. A Ritz cracker would be good or even just, just some tater chips, girl. Okay. I mean, if you really had to put some on there. I mean, I guess. Yeah. All right. I'm going to talk about murder. Please do. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Keep it light. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So this week, I'm going to head on to Vegas, baby. Ooh, what happens in Vegas does not stay in Vegas because we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Do you, have you ever been to Vegas? No. I haven't either. I don't want to. I don't either. It's just not calling me. I'm not a big gambler. I'm not a big gambler. I mean, my biggest gambling is a scratch off. No, yeah. I mean, even that, I'm like, oh, I'm so mad so at myself. I'm like, can I get half of this back? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm chintzy because I only buy, I don't buy anything more than a $5 scratch off. Yeah. Like, I think one time you and I went on a cruise yeah. and tried to gamble, but we didn't understand it. We didn't get yeah. like, we don't understand We just what we're threw doing. the money away that we were given and then we left the table. And we got another drink. Yeah. It was, no, it was not fun. And I went to Reno. So I went into those casinos. Right. They all smell really bad, like stale alcohol and stale no. cigarettes. So bad. Oh, do they? Yes. And they're dark and dank. Oh, gross. Because they don't want you to know what time it is. Yeah. Like there's there's heavy tinting on the doors. There are oh, no windows. Gotcha. Like you, they, you you just get lost in right. time. Oh, my God. And I just didn't enjoy that time. I didn't enjoy being there. I was there for business, so I really wasn't supposed to be. I wasn't there to gamble. But right. I just didn't 
nothing about it really appealed to me. Yeah. Now, in Reno, it's just casinos, and then you can travel around to some of the casinos and outside of the casino, because it's all like this huge indoor thing that takes up like a block and yeah. inside it was like seven casinos and three hotels and all these restaurants and they're all connected like a huge mall yeah and then these performances would happen like outside of one of the casinos or what it was just odd. weird yeah i didn't different like it. it was very different it just wasn't me it yeah. wasn't my thing yeah but i mean it's very popular people my daughter there. went there for her something birthday 21st oh right is that her 21st birthday uh, no i don't know one of her 25th. birthdays 20-something. Uh, okay. She went to Vegas. All right, so I'm going to tell you a bone-chilling story. Okay. It's bone-chilling. Just remember, you gave me crap about my story. Okay. Bone-chilling. Mm -hmm. It's about the murder of Ginger Rios. She's a 20-year-old singer. Oh, Ginger. We're going to go all the way back to April 5th of 1997 because the 90s, a real bad time to murder. They really did. People were quite frustrated. <laughs> they were out of control. Were out of control in the 90s. Just don't think we had a good handle on mental health no. at that point. So, like most of our stories, a call comes in to the Las Vegas Metro Police Department. The man on the line tells police that his wife, Ginger, disappeared during a shopping trip the previous afternoon. He said he dropped her off at a spy store called Spycraft, parked his car, and he hadn't seen her since. She went off to be a spy. I guess so. <laughs> so he said that she got out of the car and walked into the store. He had seen her walk into the store. Um, he smoked a cigarette. He waited a little bit longer. And he's like, what the heck is taking her so long? So he went into the store and he asked the man in the store if he'd seen her. He gave a description. And the man said, oh, yeah, she was in here. She bought a couple of books and she left. So um, the... Keep going, I gotta go. The your stuff. Man tells the detective on the phone, you know, I haven't seen her. I I don't know where she is. Please can you help me? And the detective says, I'll be right there. That's nice of him. Yeah. He didn't say, well, give it 24 give hours. Give it 24 hours, right. <laughs> so the detective meets up with Ginger's husband, and Ginger's husband's name is Mark. Okay. To get some more details about what happened. He was kind of surprised when he met Mark. Because Mark is 14 years older than Ginger and a little bit of an introvert. Whereas Ginger, you know, she was outgoing. She was 20. She was a singer. She was a dancer. She was a model. And she had the man that worked for her. Right. To stop judging. Right. 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 So, um, but Ginger was really kind of making a name for herself on the Vegas circuit. So. That's cool. A small red flag had gone up in the detective's head, like, I don't know about this guy. But he puts it to the side and keeps on trucking. So Mark tells him that he'd checked with all the other stores in the strip mall where the spy craft store was, but nobody remembers seeing Ginger. Mark said that he even checked with Ginger's family to see if she had shown up at their house. And when, he, when Mark explains that Ginger had gone into the store with only her wallet and phone, but left her purse in the car, her family becomes alarmed because they say Ginger never goes anywhere without her purse. Oh, wow. So there were some red flags. So Ginger's dad comes home. His name is George. George and he Ginger. hears that, that um, Ginger's missing. And he immediately grabs Mark and tells him, get in the car, we're going to the store. Okay. The spy store. 
So he wanted to go to the spy shop to see if they had video because it's a spy shop. Oh, I thought going to have video. Genius. Right? You would think. Right. Um, so they get there and the doors were locked. So they go around back and they happen to run into the owner. Oh. And he's leaving the store. He's getting in his car. And they explained to the owner what happened. And the guy said, oh, yeah, I remember. She did. She came in and she bought a couple books and she left. I've got surveillance in the store. I've got to go out of town for business for a couple days, but I'll get it to you first thing on Monday. couple days? couple days. Well, no, that's not nice. Right. So. <laughs> did they check the trunk of his car? They said, um, they said, you know, can't you just get in there? He's like, you know what? I already set the alarm. Get his wife and baby Asshole. in the car. So He's a like, jerk. <laughs> like him. All right. What's his name? Jerkwad. Um, Jerkwad. Of the spy store. Yes. Spies are us. Spies are us. Jerk. All right. So George and Mark then go home and they start trying to brainstorm on what could have happened to Ginger. Her family agreed that Ginger wouldn't have run away because so much was going right for her. She was performing an act with a salsa band. Uh-uh. Called salsa. salsa. Salsa machine. Salsa. Right. Got to do some salsa. They were doing like a lounge act. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she was having a really good time. She, she had up her heels. She and Mark were newly married. So mm-hmm. they hadn't been married for very long. And the day before she disappeared, they had moved into a great house. They bought a house. And it even had a basement. She was planning to open a dance studio in the basement. Oh, my goodness. So she, she didn't have this. So Aspirations. Really good. Yeah, and then she went to the spy store and all hell broke loose. Yeah, really. So, um, oh, trout. Yeah, he can't. Can't. So, um, I've lost my place because trout, you know, does his thing. Got in the way and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, she, so got, she got a house and she was going to open a studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Remember? exactly right. She was happy. She had a lot going on in this gender. And they didn't seem to think that Mark had anything to do with it. They found him to be quite trustworthy. Oh, good. That's good to know. But the detectives were going to, felt like they wanted to take a deeper look at Mark. Because oh, they weren't Mark. so sure. Um, they also noted that there had been no activity on her ATM card. Okay. And she had been planning to make a big deposit from, I guess, her salsa lounge. I'm doing the salsa. You, can't yeah, you cannot see it and you don't want to. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> No, the wine is already taking effect. I'm really good at salsa. <laughs> You're good at chips and salsa, sugar. I know. It's the wrong kind of salsa. <laughs> anyway, she had not made the deposit. Okay. So, and Mark had been out doing his own surveillance. He was, like, on it. He did his own investigation, and they started, the detectives were like, I don't know about this guy, because he came up with theories of why Ginger would have left on her own. Mm. So, it's like they're... He, they felt like he was trying to push any suspicion oh, like off of him. Okay. And lead him astray. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. So not long after Mark reported Ginger missing, they get a call from a police officer, and it seems that they've come upon Mark and Ginger's car, and the darn thing is burning in a parking lot. So the detectives go there. Ruh-ruh. Mark wasn't with the car. The car was just burning. They were able to track him down, and he says, on my way home from work, the motor started acting funny. Okay, Mark. And then it started smoking. Now you're on the list. So I parked it. And I just let it burn. And I walked away to get help. I walked away. And detectives were like, okay, dude, 
what's going on with you? So they take the car back to the crime lab. And he's like, great, take it. I don't care. It's, you know, what am I going to do with it? It's half burned. They take a closer look, thinking maybe they're going to find some kind of clues or evidence about what a what ginger. Might, or ginger. Half a ginger. <laughs> but um, nothing. They got nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing that would help them in the case. Nothing. Okay. It was very suspicious, though. All right. That whole burning of the car. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Mark's just having a bad damn week because it happens. Oh, you don't have to tell me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, now I never tried to burn my car because I was having a bad week because then I got a whole situation with the insurance. Okay, but you can relate to a car having a bad motor because you don't have I a can. lot of money to fix it and it catching fire. I do I do get that. Yeah. I do. I'm going to go get your squash. So, now detectives have spent, have spent all this time focused yeah. on Mark. Yeah. And they haven't gotten anywhere. No. Right. So, then they're like, well, duh, maybe Mark didn't do it. Oh, my God. Those... So it now works. they have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, and they've lost a lot of time. And start at the very beginning. They could have found her by now. Yeah. They had to go back to the last place she was seen, which is that weird spy store. Yeah, big dummies. So Ginger's family is putting posters up everywhere, and they start getting in front of the cameras to ask the public for help. Investigators go to the spy shop. They call the owner. His name is John Flowers. <laughs> And they, I don't even believe that name. <laughs> and they ask for surveillance. Yeah. You know, from the day Ginger disappeared. Perhaps you could give it to us now, John Flowers. And then they wanted a statement from him, say, you know, telling, you know, what time did you see her come in? Did she seem off? Did she seem upset? Did she yeah. say anything? All of that stuff. What books did she buy? Right. What did she get? Did, do you have a receipt? Yeah. Is there anything that you can provide us to indicate? What was she wearing? What color was her hair? <laughs> Because if her name's Ginger, I bet I know the answer. Well, you're wrong. Oh, my God. Why would you name a kid Ginger if their hair isn't Ginger? Because maybe they like spicy things. Okay. Duh. That's true. She wasn't a salsa. Mm-hmm. So, John Flower said, cool, cool. I'll get it for you. But I'm at a store in Arizona. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this man with the excuses. But I'll be in touch with you when I return. I'll be back. Meanwhile, though, Flowers sent one of his employees to talk to the investigators. And they managed to talk that employee into letting them into the store. Thank you. Right. Holy Right, right. So they go in. Now, they can't do, like, deep dive anything. But now, they can look around, can look but if around. there's, like, ginger shoe in right. the, of the floor, that's a, then they can snoop a little bit further. <laughs> right. They, I'd be looking for, like, secret doors, Me too. passageways, like, like, what is this Open sesame. Right, you pulling every book off the yeah. shelf. Mm-hmm. Hocus pocus. <laughs> so, when they walk in, they don't really notice anything out of order, nothing crazy. But they go to the back room, and they notice there's a strong odor of cleaning solutions. Mm-hmm. And they also find a tiny little spot of blood on one of the walls. <gasps> so, they take a sample, but unfortunately, it's too small to get any information from and the investigator decides you know what i'm gonna call john flowers and i'm gonna ask him about this smell and the blood i'm gonna say i'm here i'm here in your store yeah yeah i'm looking around and i smell the smell and saw a thing what what do you what do you gotta say are you still in arizona (laughs) right so he says oh well my we, we keep our dog when 
were at the store, we keep our dog in that back room, and sometimes he pees on the floor, so I have to clean it with bleach, you know? And that probably the blood had come from him. I don't believe it. Well, the investigator um, believed it, because by golly, he has a boxer. And the same thing happens to his dog. Sometimes he gets a bloody ear, and he shakes his head, and blood goes all over the wall. So, of course, this guy is telling the truth. Okay, first of all, that guy needs to get medical attention for his dog. Mm. He's irresponsible. Yeah. So, he's like, okay. Now we got two. I got you. Now we got two guys. Totally two. understand what you're saying, dude. My dog bleeds all the time and shakes I'm everywhere. just saying, I'm not calling them morons, but I'm just saying they're not the sharpest tools. Right. But he is, the investigator is still a little perplexed as to why it's taking so long to get their surveillance tape. He's like, dude, I mean, sorry about your dog, but can I get a tape? But because his stories were believable, they didn't think they could force the owner to turn over the tape. So they didn't really have enough evidence to say, we're going to subpoena your tapes. Oh, my God, it was the last place that she was seen. I know, but then there's the bleach and the dog. and I mean, the owner's great. He just owns a store. It's a spy store. But it was the last place. I'm not saying you did something, John Flowers. Maybe somebody followed her out of the store, and we could see who that was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. These guys, I mean, they're like tumbleweeds in the desert. So after about a month and a half. They oh still God. didn't have a clue. Poor Ginger. About she what just left this planet and then some by now. They were dead in the water. Time keeps on ticking. And I think she's dead in the desert. <laughs> keeps on ticking. Ticking, 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 ticking into the future. That was good. That was good. That was good. Cheers to that. Wow. Ooh, we okay. should do an album. We should do a podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the phone rings. Hallelujah. Ringo, linga, dinga, linga. And this guy from a customs office in Arizona says, dude, I think I just got some evidence in a case that you're working there in Vegas. And the investigator, who's brilliant, by the way. I don't think so. Brilliant. I don't think like, so. What? Is the fourth How stage? on earth did you get evidence in one of my cases? That doesn't make any sense. That you in Arizona and Phoenix, Arizona would have information hello, about anything that I'm working on. Hello. Like, what is happening? Right, 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 right. Oh, my God. This guy is a doofus. Yeah. So then the, the custom <laughs> Deputy guy, dog over here. Custom guy says, oh, well, uh, we performed a search of a spy shop in Arizona. And we've come across some evidence that we think is very important to your case. So, the official said the owner, unfortunately, has gone on the run, but his wife is here. If you want to talk to her, you might be able to talk to her. We had to come in and do an investigation because they got caught selling some illegal listening devices. <laughs> so, during the sweep of the spy shop, um, officials had questioned John's wife, and the investigator and they tell the investigator she's, she's got some very important information she needs to share with you. She's got to get something off her chest. It seems that she's telling us that her husband, John, has killed a woman. She said that she hadn't told anyone because she's terrified yeah. of her husband. And yeah. now that he's on the run, she feels like maybe she could still be. good time, yes. So the investigator tells the officials... Protect her with your lives. I'm on the way. Oh, now you're protected, <laughs> Deputy Dog. 
like awake now. Yeah, He's like, now you're up. You solved it for me. I'll be right there. I think I'll get up now. I think I'll get out of bed now. <laughs> oh, Y'all protect her with your life. I mean, these people. I know. Not the sharpest. I know. So, Deputy Dog drives from Las Vegas to Arizona. And he sits down. Sorry, Trout. You got all excited. Nothing. We, we were banging on tables and making all kinds of noise. But you go lay down. Chica, he hasn't go. stopped whining since you started talking. I don't, what do you want me to do? I, I don't know. I told you that we needed better behavior this week. I understand. You told him that. You didn't run any kind of a seminar or a class for him or yes. a PowerPoint. Yes. In between <laughs> my full-time job and unpacking my brand new apartment. Okay. Okay. Don't get all salty now. But I'm just saying you all. Seminars. You, your dog is I a did seminar. come across his training certificate from obedience school. Well, so we're going to revoke that. <laughs> He's taking the class, for heaven's sake. Yeah, I think he just audited no. the class. No, no, no. Trout. Okay. Shh. He's been reprimanded. Anyway, so John's wife, Cheryl, tells the Vegas investigator, deputy dog, <laughs> that the day Ginger disappeared, she and her husband and their baby had been at the spycraft store. Ginger comes into the store, and then John suddenly tells Cheryl, I need you to go buy me some film. Film? Film. I gotta get some film? I need some film, and I need it now. Because Cheryl's like, you need it now? And he's like, I need it now. What's he need film for? He needed film. He's weird. So she went out and bought film. She was gone for 10 freaking minutes. 10 freaking minutes. And in that time, he killed Ginger. When she came back to the store, a man approached her and asked if he had seen if they had seen his wife. It was Mark looking for Ginger. Cheryl said, yes, she was here looking at some books. And John said, yes, she bought some books, and then she left. And then after Mark left the store, John told Cheryl, I've done something bad. Whatever you do, do not go to the back room. Oh, my God. And Don't. she said, okay, I'm going to go wait in the car. Don't go to the back room where we keep the dog and we bleach it down. And uh, the dog got a bloody ear, by the way. Don't oh, go by back the there. way, we don't have a dog. Don't go back there. <laughs> don't go back there. So There's nothing to see in the back room. Yeah, Cheryl, being Cheryl, walks to the back room. Oh, my God. She carefully opens the door and sees Ginger laying in a pool of blood. Just as she has opened that freaking door... Oh, her no. husband walks up behind her, grabs her around the throat, oh, no. and starts to squeeze. And he said, you better not tell anyone, or else you're going to get it worse than her, and then I'm going to torture our baby. Oh, my God. Jesus. Who says I'm going to torture our own child? I know. So, oh, yeah. This guy is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. John told Cheryl that Ginger had come into the store and he had punched her and kicked her. And why? Why would you do that? And then that? he put her in the back room. Why would you do that? And then he continued to stay. He just stuck her in the back. We're good. What can I get you? Do you like a pair of night vision goggles? <laughs> what else can I get you, man? How about a fingerprint kit? Oh, my gosh. Why would he punch her and kick her? That's ten so rude. freaking minutes. She was gone for ten minutes. Cheryl? Oh, my God. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Oh, my God, I can't. So... After Cheryl discovers Ginger, John spends the rest of the afternoon cleaning up Ginger mm. and putting her into a bag. Well, by the way, he also sent a new employee out to for garbage bags. He was like, dude, we need garbage bags. 
real bad. Go the right heavy now. duty kind. Cheryl's going for film, otherwise I'd get her to do it. Exactly. You need to go get some contractor grade <laughs> plastic. <laughs> yeah. Four ply plastic bags. <laughs> so he finishes cleaning up the blood on the floor with the bleach, by the way. Of course. And puts Ginger's body in their van and loads up Cheryl and the baby. And the head into the Arizona. van. And as he's going to get into the van to leave, that's when Mark mm -hmm. and Ginger's dad, George, approached him. So Ginger was in his van yeah. when you asked. Oh, just like his family. Yeah. What a sicko. Yeah. <sighs> so it's gross. Don't bring me down with your bloody schemes. So Cheryl's thinking, my God, we're going to, to Phoenix, right? Mm -hmm. She's assuming that Ginger's in the car, but she's not sure. And, and she's scared know. to death. Mm -hmm. Right. So John pulls over into the desert on the way to Phoenix, and he gets make Cheryl get out of the car and sit on the side of the road so she won't leave. Mm. Then he grabs something out the back of the car, the, the van, and um, a shovel, and walks off into the desert. And he buries Ginger. Then he makes Cheryl get back in the van, and instead of going to Phoenix, they just went home. But the next day, John's like, I want to go and make sure that girl's really very good. I want to reinforce it. So he picks up some cement bags and oh some water, gosh. some jugs of water. And then he makes Cheryl and the baby get back into the van. They drive back to the desert and he goes back to put cement over Cheryl's, I mean, Ginger's body. Yeah. Sorry, Cheryl. Cheryl, you poor thing. But a few minutes later, he comes running out of the desert, jumps into the van, He's pale and sweaty, and he's yelling, My God, they found her. They found her. My God, they found her. Well, shoot. Who would have found her? <sighs> the coyotes? I don't Did know. Did the coyotes get her? I don't know. And then investigators ask Cheryl, Can you show us, you know, where you can find Ginger's body? So she takes him out to the grave. And they find her grave, and it's got, like, two concrete blocks. Like, he must have made up a block and then mm -hmm. set it on top of the grave. I don't know. Did he think she was going to, like, dig her way out? I think he was scared. He didn't, like, pour it on so it saturated in. He made a couple of weird blocks and stuck them on top. He's not the brightest bulb. <sighs> but then again, neither is Deputy Dog. Right. So they bring out the team, and they carefully start to dig, and they find Ginger's body. The investigator calls Ginger's dad, lets him know we found her. George then has the unbearable task of telling the rest of his family that Ginger is gone. Including Mark. An autopsy confirms that Ginger had been beaten to death and sexually assaulted. Ew. Ten minutes. Like, he... <laughs> I'm just saying, ten minutes. You casually walk into a store... You're the only customer in there. It's just you and the owner. You're looking at spy books, and then, bam, freight train. Freight train. Okay, so lessons learned. I will not be going into a store where there is just me and unemployed. No. I mean, I'm going to walk in now and say, who else is here? Yeah, I need a, I need a roll call. Roll I need call. Roll call. Roll call. Everybody, if you're here, say you're here. If you're not, don't say nothing. I'm not, ki I'm not kidding. Mm -mm. Like, I'm not even going into a coffee shop for it's I mean, just me. My husband was right outside. He was in the car smoking a cigarette yeah. listening to the radio probably. In the meantime, his poor wife's being bludgeoned and sexually assaulted. God. He's thinking, what, what 
does she need from the spy store? Mm-hmm. My God, she's a she's a salsa dancer. What are exactly. What are we spying on? Oh Lord. Anyway, so now they have to find John Flowers. Yes, right? they do, and they need to find him quickly. Yeah. They also they put an APB out for John, and they need to put Cheryl and that baby under protective. I agree. Protective. I don't protection. think they should that, but I That's agree. Mean. They also go back to the spy store, and this time they've got their big search warrants. Oh, yeah, really so they can really tear it up. Yeah, and um, they do the top-to-bottom search. They find bloodstains in the carpet, and they were able to confirm those belonged to Ginger. Now, Ginger was making a name for herself in Vegas, so this was really big in the media. Mm-hmm. Like, this Las Vegas starlet, starlet has now mm. lost her life in a spy store. Um which is good that it gets a lot of publicity because a witness comes forward and says, hey, I was shopping at the Spy Craft store in Phoenix. I will never go to a spy store. <laughs> and the owner grabbed me, threw me over his shoulder, and started carrying me to a back room. And I was terrified. terrified. I, I was able to get away because a customer came in. Before he got me into that back room. Oh my gosh. And he had to let me go. But I've been too afraid to tell anybody. And I was scared nobody would think it Believe was me. me. And this was like a 16, 17 year old girl. Oh wow. Not even like a, like a, a full woman. Right. So the investigators um, continue to go back into who who's, who is this John Flowers? Like who is this guy? Who is this guy? Well guess what they found out. What? If his name's not really John He's Flowers? Not John Flowers. Oh my gosh. His name is Craig Jacobson. That's not even close to John Flowers. And he's real, real bad. Seems he has like some it. federal warrants out of Florida. Um, Cheryl well, didn't know this? No, she didn't even know. She thought she was married to John Flowers. Yeah, well, she ain't. She married to Craig Jacobson. And she thought, oh, this guy, he's a pretty upstanding citizen. He got a spy store. I, I he has several. Several. He got a chain. He got a chain. He's got a chain. He had it in Vegas. He had it in Arizona. And he had one in California. In Cali? Yeah. Gee whiz. Yeah, yeah. So, oh. but a spy, you know, he can change his identity or whatever. Not the spy manager, store man. Not the store owner. I don't know. I want to know. He must have read some good books. He must have. Craig anyway. Jacobson? What's his name? Craig Jacobson, S-E-N, not O-N. Okay. okay. But look how good I did. You did really good. Yeah, that's unusual. Yeah. Right. So, Cheryl does say, hey, you know what? We have a store in California. You might want to head over to L.A. and see if you can find him. Oh. So, they found him. He was at a hotel, and they arrested Craig. Craig Former. John Flowers Jacobson. is John. And John confessed to killing Ginger. And he told the investigator, she came into the store, I walked over, I punched her, and then I threw some some Van Damme kicks at her. Some Van Damme kicks? Van Damme kicks. Oh my, he should get extra time in prison for the Van Damme comment. So he said she was dead before she hit the ground. (gasps) He's such a horrible man. But he didn't give a reason for killing Ginger. Because he felt like it. He wanted to try out his Van Damme kicks. I guess he'd been watching some Van Damme videos, mm. some VHSs. I don't know. Oh my God. So, I know this has been kind of a roller coaster ride of a story. It has been. Can you wrap it, like, get a big bow on it? Yeah, I got, I still got some, that's a fine. little bit of ways to go. So, okay. this is where things get a little out of control. And 
Now, I thought we already were out of control when he Van Damme killed the girl. But, and when we had the investigator focus on the husband instead of that it could Deputy potentially dog. be. And why did it take four months to get surveillance video from the last place this woman was seen? Because the guy was an outstanding guy with the dog. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't. But anyway, now we've got a freaking prosecutor who is concerned um, because while Craig is in jail waiting his trial... He attempts to kill himself. And the prosecutor's like, you know what? Oh, no, I think his defense team is laying the groundwork for an insane plea. Right? Yeah. He also worried that he didn't have a motive for Ginger's murder. And there were no real eyewitnesses to the murder. So he's like, I don't know. I don't know. So the DA suggests that instead of risking lesser charges from a jury that Ginger's family should offer a plea deal that would guarantee Craig would spend at least 25 years behind bars. Here's my plea deal. We're going to let you go in the desert, and we're going to hunt your ass down and bury you alive. Right. Or we're going to let you go in the desert, and we're going to hunt you down and kill you and then bury you. Right. Those. That's the, What's your deal? Right. What you pick? So Ginger's family, they're, they're, all, they're a very tight-knit family, and they're devastated. And they don't know the ins and outs of the law. No, and you know? trust the and professionals. And you trust the professionals. And if the DA says, I'm worried that he's going to walk, walk, or not that he's going to walk, but that he's going to get, you know, so many years with, like, maybe life with the possibility of parole or something to or that got, Like 30 years, and then he can only, he only has to serve a third. Right. So based on what the DA told them, they agree. To a plea deal, which would give him life without the possibility of parole. Okay. Okay? But listen, they had a confession. They had testimony from Cheryl. They had testimony from another woman who had been yeah. assaulted. They had blood, Ginger's blood in the store, in yeah. the carpet. They've got Ginger's body. <clears throat> Excuse me. They had an awful lot of evidence, and it wasn't circumstantial evidence. Mm -hmm. They had hardcore evidence. There's, it's so stupid that that man would not want to take that case to trial. It's just dumb. It was rock solid. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Please make me understand. I mean, this is back in the 90s, though, Shulgaard. This is not, I mean, we are not, we're not on DNA, so they could say, you know, it's her blood type, but there was no DNA to say it was hers. They could have said, well, you know. I think there was some DNA testing in the 90s. Some. It, enough so that they were able to say this is her blood. Okay. They were able to say this is her blood here. Okay. Now, they couldn't say for sure she was murdered here. Right. So, I guess that was part of the problem. But, my God, a jury would hear well, and he everything and he confessed. So Why wouldn't you? But, but the DA said, but you also run the risk of him coming up and saying he was insane. That's true. Or he could say so, it was a forced confession. But it just, it's too much. So, I mean, I feel bad because the family didn't get their trial. But I feel good because the family didn't have to hear all of the yeah. details. Do you really want to hear about so, how many Van Damme kicks it took? Right. 
Like, right. I just don't think right. so. Right, and he did sexually assault her. So yeah. I think that it's probably good that they didn't have to see the pictures and everything yeah. else. Anyway, so Craig pleads guilty um, to first-degree murder under the Alfred plea. Oh, Alfred plea. Yeah. He's sentenced to 20 years to life, and he's eligible for parole in December of 2018. Why? Because they didn't give him, like, without parole, 20 years to life. Mm, that's true. So, it sucks. Yeah, but if he was a really bad dude, are you saying he had a past history? Well, let me tell you something. Do you remember when he came running out of the desert saying, my God, they found, they found her? Well, guess what? Mm. He wasn't talking about Ginger. Oh, who was he talking The Arizona about? police had found, the week before, another victim. Oh. Another victim of the Van Damme kicks. Oh, my gosh. They just didn't know who she was. She was a Jane Doe. They didn't, they they didn't have no, any information. They, they didn't know how she got there. Like it's only a week old, so they haven't figured any of it out. Deputy Dogs still hadn't gotten up out of his bed yet. Right. So He's she was found in a grave with, guess what, concrete bricks on it. Mm -hmm. Just, you know. Just like Ginger. Just close to Ginger. You know, that's like what, in the same. Yeah, well, I, I that's thought that he could see that somebody He's come him. out and he's like, oh, Jesus, they found this other girl. 15-year-old mm -hmm. Christina Martinez. Oh, she had 15. her body. They had her body, but they hadn't connected it to anything else. So once they found Ginger, now they're like, oh, look at what we have here. And they're mm -hmm. able to connect Craig to the crime. Okay. So they charge him with her murder. Um, she was also beaten to death and sexually assaulted. Well... That had happened at his Phoenix store because guess what? Craig confessed. He was like, oh, yeah. Oh, that one. I beat the crap out of her, too. What is wrong with this man? No problem. He doesn't have any remorse or any, like, it's not even remorse. He, he's not embarrassed? Like, he's yeah. just like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, yeah. So they wrap up old Ginger's case in about uh, 2000, 2014, a grand jury in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Charges Craig with first-degree murder and kidnapping of Christina Martinez. Okay. And he had actually murdered her in 1987. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, in 2015, he gets extradited from, he gets out of jail in Nevada. Uh -huh. And he gets extradited to, because I guess he had served his sentence, so he could have potentially been out. But instead, he's extradited to Arizona, where he faces... This trial uh -huh. for Christina. In two, July of 2016, a judge in Phoenix ordered that Craig, Craig Jacobson be treated to treated to restore his competency to stand trial. They found him incompetent, incompetent to stand trial. In Arizona. He's come across and he's like, oh, no, I'm crazy. I'm, I'm crazy. So the judge said, agree. Let's, let's get you back. How do you treat crazy? Right. Here's the thing. The mental health professionals that were treating him said bullshit, and they sent him back to court. They oh, said good. he's not crazy. He's not crazy. The judge is crazy. Right. So on November 12, 2016, a judge in Phoenix said, you're a big fat faker, and charged him with malingering. Is that the name? Malingering. M-A-L-I-N-G-E-R-I-N-G. Malingering. Malingering. So what does that mean? It means that he was faking an illness to get out of jail. Oh, dang. Right. 
So he's got that charge on top of everything else. Drop. We're almost done. Stop. Stop. You want me to hold you, but then I hold you and you still cry. So, okay. So he's got malingering now. So I pull up the court records in Arizona. Okay. And this is what I found out. I can see in 2017, there was another competency hearing. Oh my gosh. Which was continued on and off until about 2018 where he was, again, found competent. Then he got rid of his attorneys in 2018. Of course. In 2019, there's another competency hearing. This time, he's found to be incompetent to stand trial. What? In March of 2020, another competency hearing where they say, hey, guess what? You're competent to stand trial. So finally, they've got a trial date. It is set for July 20th, 2020. Good God Almighty. And where is this trial? Arizona. Let's go. Oh, my God. Let's go. Well, I signed up for court notifications on this particular case. So if I get any update, I'll let you know. But, oh, my God. How crazy. He's still not gone to trial for this murder in 1987 because he keeps getting lawyers to say he's crazy. And here's the thing. He is wasting taxpayer dollars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And they even have another inmate that says, he told me this is what he was going to do. Yeah. That he was going to act crazy so they couldn't send him to jail. Oh, my like, gosh. Yeah. So, this guy, he's trying to beat the system. I don't know. Somebody needs to beat him. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, right? Yeah. Crazy on so many levels. Oh, my God. I'm starving. Can we just Can have... you just give me some squash souffle? Oh, my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let me get that right this second. Let me just cater to your every need, sugar. Duh. Do we want to pause it while I fix it, or are we just going to keep running? I mean, it's just, we'll keep it running. I mean, it shouldn't take but so long. I'm just going to give you a spoonful. Or two. (laughs) You can't judge it just on one spoonful. You got to at least have three. Three? (laughs) Did you eat dinner before you came up the office? I did. It was horrible. What did you have? Well, I'm not going to discuss it on the podcast. Why not? Is it a local or a chain? A chain. All right. That was awful. It's a chain that starts with a W and ends with an S. Oh, golly. It was so bad. Well, I didn't even get what I ordered. Like, I didn't even, like, when you order chicken and get a hamburger, you know, you're just starting off on the wrong foot. it's not going to go well. Yeah, and when you order a chicken sandwich plain and you get a hamburger fully dressed, that's a whole nother issue. Oh, Lord. Like, I didn't get any of the things that I wanted, and I know it wasn't operator error because I looked at the receipt. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Yes. I ordered the right thing. Yes. You just didn't get the right thing. I didn't. Oh, my gosh. No. So, it was, it was, and it was just horrible. It's just, and I mean, you know, I like a Coke. Oh, yeah. Did you, did, did you I get I did, and I got a Diet Dr. Pepper, <gasps> which is like poison That's to me. That's so offensive. Like poison. I, I mean, I'm offended when I get any kind of Dr. Pepper root beer. I hate that stuff. Like, that oh. is, it makes me gag. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, so. It's terrible. All right, we're going to take a taste. I put a little right. pepper on mine because I like pepper on mm-hmm. squash. Oh, it mm-hmm. smells good. It mm-hmm. looks good. It looks so creamy and mm-hmm. souffle-y. That's delicious. Uh-huh. Delicious. Not mm. summer squash. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. All right, y'all. Well, it's been a crazy night. Crazy, crazy night. It's been a crazy week. It has been. Not bored. We've got a lot of storms that brew up around here in the summertime. Yep. And they are crazy storms. I got to... Hold on. Oh, you're going to sneeze because you got the pepper. God bless you. All right.
right, y'all. Well, have a good week. Have a good week. Stay well. Stay safe. Lock your doors. Yes. Be nice. And don't don't leave your windows unlocked. Or I mean, just, just let's lock just it down. let's just do everything we can to build a fortress and lock stay it safe. Down and wear your mask. And wash your damn hands. Wash your damn hands. And we love y'all to pieces. Bye. Oh wait. Oh. We you know have what? social media. We, yeah. Oh, gosh. We almost messed that up. So, come see us. We're on the Instagram at Sugarcoated Murder, and we're on Facebook at Sugarcoated Murder Podcast. Fan page. And there's a fan page. There's a podcast page and a fan page. And we have a website. We have a website, and that is sugarcoatedpod.com. Yeah. And email us and let us hear from you. And yes. that email address is murder dot sugarcoated at gmail.com and next week we're going to do a fan sent in a murder that I'm going to research and I'm going to do that next time we record oh that's going to be so, exciting we're send us our murder yeah and shout out to our, our little niece Taylor because we love Thank you alright bye y'all bye Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.